0: I-D-P, show. I-D-P, show. I-D-P. IDP Hello, and welcome in to the IDP show. I'm your host, Evan Rhonda, and I'm joined here with the one and only Joey the Tooth. Joey, how are you doing today? I am fantastic, actually. I'm having a great day. How about yourself? I'm doing really well. I have, yeah. once again not seen how the football game is going. So I will have to check up on that later. But have you seen anything going on interesting Um, with that one?
1: On the IDP side, not so much. Uh, It seems like the uh, Rams are trying to target Robert Woods quite a bit. He's, uh, I think he had 10 targets in the first half. So that's actually very nice to see for anybody who is Robert Woods uh, on their team. All right. But Other than that, it's been pretty low scoring. Although now that I look back, it looks like some stuff has happened.
0: <laughs> All right. I'll have to go back and check on that. Yeah. Well, cool. Awesome. Gotta love gotta love that Thursday night football. I think we got a London game this week, so that should be exciting to, so to see the, how that goes. Is that
1: early Sunday or is it Saturday? It's early Sunday.
0: I think it's early Sunday. Yeah. Game. I think it's like Jets-Falcons or something. So Ooh. that'll be interesting. Yeah.
1: Actually, I have a couple of guys from those games in, uh, in uh, tonight's
0: show. Well, there we go. Well, let's hop right into it. So today we are once again discussing some sleeper picks for the upcoming week, week five. You uh, list some players, list some interesting information about them, why we should care. And I'm hyped to get into this group of guys. I looked over your list. I did some research regarding those players as well. And I have to say, I'm very excited to get into this. So why don't we go ahead and start it off with your first defensive line pick?
1: All right, I went with uh, Dante Fowler Jr. for the Atlanta Falcons. He's kind of been a guy that everybody forgets about just because he started his career with doing virtually nothing, had one season with the Rams where he had like all-pro talent season, and then got a big contract, went over to Atlanta, and his first year in Atlanta was absolutely terrible. In 14 games, he had 23 tackles and, I think, three sacks. Definitely not what you're looking for from when you're hoping to be. Probably your DL two, But uh, this year he's actually looking a lot better. Uh, He's playing on 71% of the team's snaps uh, over his last three games. He has nine tackles, two sacks, two tackles for a loss, a pass defended, two forced fumbles, and three QB hits. Uh, This week he plays the Jets, who have given up the second most sacks on the season with 16. It's averaging four a game. So if there's anybody on the Falcons team that's going to get a sack it's probably going to be Dante Fowler or Grady Jarrett. So I think there's a very good chance that Fowler lives in the backfield in this London game.
0: Absolutely. He uh over the last 3 games he had 3 pressures in each of them. And according to PFF, he has a 76.9 run defense grade and a 71.4 pass rush grade and Those are the highest among all of Atlanta's edges, and it is not close. So I love what you said. If anybody's going to get it, it's going to be him. So good call there. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah,
1: and seeing that run defense grade so high, uh, it's actually bodes well for him. I mean, he he played very well as one season in in L.A. I think he had 58 tackles that season, so he is a good run defender. It's just nice to see him bringing those numbers back up.
0: Mm -hmm. Let's just hope he doesn't get jet lagged.
1: True, very true.
0: All right. How about this this next guy from the Jags, uh,
1: Adam Gotsis? He's a uh, he's quite under the radar, pretty much, unless you are in incredibly deep leagues. Um, like I said, I play in a couple of like sixteen team, fifty three man roster leagues, so I, I go pretty deep, diving into the barrel. But he's actually played very strong, and he missed the first game of the season. Uh, so he's played in the second, third, and fourth games, and he has nine tackles, three for a loss, two sacks, and three QB hits. Uh, he he plays on in the interior, and he s- plays the second highest interior D line snaps of anybody on the team, behind only Malcolm Brown, who plays nose tackle. Uh, he's strong in the interior and in run defense, and uh, he plays the Titans this week, who have given up the most sacks in the league with seventeen. And uh, the fact that he Plays well in run defense bodes well for him because they're probably going to start stuffing the ball with Derrick Henry again because they could still be without Julio Jones. They might get AJ Brown back, but I think they're going to be without Julio Jones again, and it might be run heavy attack. So we can hope for the uh, the sack again this week, but I think he'll actually have some uh, a pretty high tackle floor.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that call. The Titans' offensive line actually has the highest pressure rate allowed in the league at 29% and they have the third highest pressure to sack conversion rate allowed in the league at 20%. So, I think uh if that doesn't tell you their offensive line is garbage, I don't know what will.
1: Oh, yeah, that's that's hot trash.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> let's uh let's move on to some linebackers. Uh why don't you tell me about this first guy you have here?
1: All right, uh Reggie Raglan of the New York Giants. So Blake Martinez went down with a torn ACL two weeks ago, which was terrible for the Giants. Uh, everybody ran to the waiver wire, and they grabbed Tay Crowder because he played well last season, and rightfully so. He played on a uh, 100% of the team snaps last week. But Reggie Raglan was on the field for 78% of the team snaps as well, and uh, he finished the game with eight total tackles. Only four were solo, but he was around the ball. He's kind of your old-school style, run-stuffing, just – gap-filling linebackers. Uh, They play the Cowboys this week, and uh, last week when the Cowboys had a big lead, which I feel they will have in the Giants, uh, they ran the ball 30 times with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. So that actually bodes well for Reggie Ragland's style. So, I mean, I think he could see another eight-tackle game easy.
0: I love it. Uh, according to PFF, he's actually the highest graded linebacker on the team in Week Four, anyways. And whatever stat you name, he was more efficient at it than Tate Crowder. So I think uh, that bodes well for this week. Like you were saying, I think you know if we want to truly be successful with this call, we need to realize that Tate Crowder is just not that guy, pal.
1: Right, right, right. Tate Crowder, yeah, sure. He looked good in in short stints last year, but. That's all it really was is short stints. So, I mean, Reggie Ragland is a veteran. I mean, he's been a starter with he was a starter with the Chiefs. And I mean, he he really serves zero purpose in pass coverage. But when you're playing as the lone linebacker for some of the time, like if he ends up taking that like Blake Martinez style role, then you don't really need to be that great in coverage because you have a plethora of D- DBs behind you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they do have a lot of really good DBs on that team.
1: Yeah. Definitely. All right. How about
0: yeah. how about this? Uh. Lions linebacker.
1: Uh, this is kind of a, a deep, deep sleeper. Uh Jalen Reeves Mabin, he's kind of taken on an expanded role since uh Jamie Collins went out. Uh, I thought it was going to be Derek Barnes, who was my last week's sleeper. But uh Jalen Reeves Mabin, outside of Alex Anslone, who played every single snap for the Lions, he was actually led all other Lions linebackers in snaps with 66%. Um He's had an expanded role over the last two games with Collins. He went from, I think it was 48% up to 66%. So his role is only increasing. Uh, over those two games, he has six tackles, one for a loss, a pass defended, and a QB hit. And uh, they're probably going to be on the field quite a bit. Uh, the Lions defense takes on the Minnesota Vikings, and they have an incredibly stout running game with very good offense in general. And uh, I don't think that... Jared Goff's going to have a fun time with Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin coming after him. So mm-hmm. I think it could is if his role stays the same or even increases more, he could see plenty of snaps on the field in this game.
0: I like it a lot. Yeah. The uh, game theory side of me wants to add a disclaimer here. When we use the term sleeper, it's important that we kind of contextualize it with relative to their market value. We're not, you know, calling Jalen Reeves Mabin to be this guy that you're going to throw in in a two linebacker league, but it's important to know, relative to how the market is valuing him, it might be worth picking him up if you're in a league where that kind of a market value is valuable for your team. That's
1: an incredibly good disclaimer.
0: <laughs> how about we move on to these defensive backs?
1: Um, this is a guy I actually really liked last year in the draft. I mm-hmm. actually had him ranked higher than Kyle Duggar. Uh, Ashton Davis of the New York Jets. He missed the first few games uh, on IR And uh, he had his first game back last week, so they had him in limited snaps. He only played 38% last week, but he still had three tackles and 38%. Uh, He had zero injury setbacks. Um, He only needs to beat out Jared Wilson for the job, which shouldn't be hard for him at all. Uh, Marcus May is actually out for at least two more weeks. Uh, Hamza Nasir-Ledin just went on IR himself, so there's, there's just vacancies all over that defensive backfield. Uh, they have to worry about Cordell Patterson that this year, this week, who has been explosive for the Falcons. Surprisingly, at his age thirty one season, I think, um, but he's catching a lot of balls out of the backfield. And you need somebody with Ashton Davis's closing speed to uh, to get Patterson because he, in his own right, is incredibly quick. So I think Davis is going to be incredibly busy all over the field in this game.
0: I love it. I just traded for Patterson in a dynasty league, and I don't know what to do with myself. Feels so wrong.
1: I did too, actually. I traded, uh, I'm in a win now league, right? And it's me and this one other guy we're battling for first place and it was the same last year. And I just traded Kenyon Drake and a third for Cordrell Patterson.
0: <laughs> That's That trade sounds a lot better than the one I made. I, I don't want to <laughs> get into it. It's it's not something I'm proud of. It was something that was necessary. Um, <laughs> I wish I would have written it down. I, I read something about Ashton Davis's uh, tackle grade last year. I think it was like in the 90s. So he didn't do very well in his first week back. I expect him to get a lot better as he gets his legs underneath him. But something that is really worth noting is 58% of his snaps in week four were in the DL, in the box, or in the slot. And that's the kind of snap locations that we really care about for defensive backs. So that was nice to see majority of his snaps being there.
1: Yeah, I think uh I think it was Macri that pointed it out to me there was one game against uh the Patriots, I think it was, where he played an obscene amount. It was like I I don't even remember exactly what it was, it was like sixty or seventy percent of his snaps were played on the defensive line.
0: Hmm.
1: It was unreal. It was, it was such a strange stat that he threw out there. I was like, wow, really? But hey, that's the I kind wonder, of guy he is. You can play all over the field.
0: Yeah. I wonder if that speaks more about his talent or their dearth of talent on the defensive line last year.
1: (laughs) That's a very good question and probably a little bit of both.
0: (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if it was. So we just went over a couple individual players that you liked. Why don't we go ahead and talk about some overall position groupings for this upcoming week that you're a fan of?
1: All right. uh, For the defensive line, I actually like the Green Bay Packers. Uh, They're taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, the Bengals O-line has improved slightly, but they're still giving up just under three sacks a game. Uh, there's a very good chance they're going to be without Joe Mixon, which means they're going to be a lot more pass-heavy. And uh, Rashawn Gary has looked very good, actually, at the uh, playing a role an outside linebacker now with Zadarius Smith out. So you have Preston Smith on one end, Rashawn Gary on the other end, and Kenny Clark in the middle against the Bengals O-line that's mediocre with mixing out. I think that's the recipe for success for the Green Bay Packers.
0: I totally agree. And if anybody needed a little extra boost to that argument, according to PFF's offensive line, defensive line matchup chart, the Bengals have a negative 4% pass block advantage and a negative 7% run block advantage versus the Green Bay defensive line. So I like that call there a lot. How about this uh, Colts linebacker core?
1: Uh, It's actually the second week in a row that I like them as my favorite linebacker group, but I mean, Darius Leonard and Bobby Ogarecki they they just play so well next to each other. And this week they take on the Ravens who have run the fifth, fifth most rushing plays so far in 2021 with one twenty seven. Uh, they target the tight end as often as any other team in the league outside of the Kansas city chiefs with Mark Andrews. And, uh, you also have to worry about Lamar Jackson's running ability. So mm-hmm. these guys are both athletic enough to, to get out and get after Lamar Jackson. So I think I think uh, this could be a very nice week for that Colts uh, linebacker group.
0: I love this take. I, I nerded out a little bit when I first read this because I saw you say, you know, the way that they utilize their offensive weapons is beneficial for linebackers. And so I was like, huh, I want to look something up. So I, I kind of got sidetracked and... I compared how defensive linebackers have compared to their offensive on a week-per-week basis and then kind of compared that to the league average. And what I found was the Ravens actually have an above-league-average matchup for linebackers, just like you said. So they have allowed a positive 4% of tackles per snap to the linebacker position than league average. So for every snap that a defense plays— more of those snaps end up in linebacker tackles than league average, and 6% more of those tackles to the linebacker position end up going to the linebacker position per total tackle. So another way to phrase that would be, for every tackle that a defense has against the Ravens, more than 6% of those are going to the linebacker position when compared to league average. So basically, yeah. I like this take.
1: (laughs) I absolutely love that. You sent me that chart after you did all that. Unfortunately, I fell asleep last night. (laughs) I was waiting. I was waiting. I was like, I need to see what he's doing now. And I read it this morning. I was like, oh, man, that is fantastic. That is some great research. And I love it, man. I love it.
0: I'll have to put that up on on Twitter a little later. We can nerd out a bit on that. Maybe you'll have to do that for some other things, too. Who knows? Maybe tackles aren't the most predictive stat, but... Hey, knowing something is better than not knowing something, so it could be a cool tool. Exactly. Why don't we go ahead and close this one out with this final defensive back group that you called here.
1: Uh, I'm going with the Denver Broncos. Uh, The Steelers have thrown the ball a ton this year, and uh, Ben Roethlisberger has not looked like his greatest self. He's been Mm. pretty erratic. Uh, He's had a tough time being mobile in the pocket, so it's it's leading to him making throws that he doesn't want to make. Uh, the Broncos defensive backfield is full of ball hawks. I mean, you got Justin Simmons, Patrick Sertain Jr., Kyle Fuller. They can produce turnovers. Uh, they have a rookie who's played, I think, a combined like 25 snaps the past two weeks, Caden Stearns. And he has, in those snaps, he has come up with a pass defended, an interception, and two sacks. So he's a big playmaker in his limited time. Plus, Kareem Jackson keeps making plays all over the place. And I just, I don't see it ending well for Ben Roethlisberger in this game. I I think the Broncos are going to be up again and it's going to force Ben Roethlisberger to throw the ball a ton. So this defensive backfield should, should score quite well.
0: You say you don't see it ending well for Ben Roethlisberger in this game. I say I don't see it ending well for Ben Roethlisberger. Period. Nope. At all, yeah. His yeah, pocket mobility has is, not looked great. Yeah, his his pocket mobility has been uh, essentially him tripping over himself. So, right. How far things have changed since the last time recorded an episode. Um, some other interesting <laughs> things about Big Ben, as if you needed more evidence to support his downfall. He's thrown the ball 170 times so far this season, and that is tied for second in the league. So, for pass attempts, of those 170 throws. He's thrown eight turnover-worthy plays. That's tied for third most in the league behind only Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. There you go, Big two Ben. Rookies. What, a, what a great way to close out your Hall of Fame debut than to oh, be man. throwing the same amount of turnover-worthy plays as these two turnover-prone rookies. So that's a that's a really positive note for me to end this discussion on. But <laughs> yes, I totally agree. I think the Denver Broncos defensive back group is primed for some very tasty tasty passes
1: yeah plus i mean big ben's gonna have malik reed and von miller up in his grill all game so it's it's gonna be a lot of just poor poor passes and man it's crazy because you watch big ben big ben like early in his career he was never really mobile but he was incredibly hard to take down Mm -hmm. now like you said he's just like tripping over his own feet It's, it's like ben it's time to hang it up man i'm sorry i'm sorry to say you've been great but it's
0: time to go and if they decide to continue to throw negative one yard swing passes to Najee Harris on fourth and ten, that could probably spell some good uh, good turnover potential opportunity for for some of those defensive backs as well. Let's uh, let's go ahead and close this out. What what projects do you have coming up that you would like to let the listeners know about? Um, you can read pretty
1: much the entire thing of what we just read or what we just said here in my uh, sleepers article. It comes up uh, every Saturday. Um, I do uh, start sit charts, so I go through the matchups for every single team, and I I put it as either a strong sit, a, a strong start, a good start, or a weak start for every for defensive line, interior defensive line, linebackers, outside linebackers, cornerbacks, and safeties for every single team in their matchups. That's on uh, IDP, guys. Um, we've actually. We have IDP IDP players on uh, the DTC Dynasty Trade Calculator. And uh, we've been adjusting values, just keeping up with, with the game flow every week and uh, just to make sure everybody's values are the same. So we've teamed up with them and uh, to help create the best trade calculator you can possibly come up with. So we've I been following that. that every week. Yeah, it's been very helpful. That was money well um, spent.
0: If you guys don't have that yet and you're in a Dynasty League, I mean, oof, I cannot recommend yeah. that enough.
1: 100%. Um, and then the most recent thing is just uh, we started doing some uh, college prospect scouting with IDP guys. We've uh, started cutting up our own film a little bit. So we've been diving a little deep into next year's prospects. So we'll, you'll see some player profiles coming out towards the end of the college season, and it'll be uh, pretty exciting.
0: Awesome. Yeah. As a Steelers fan, I am very excited for the 2022 draft. So. <laughs>
1: Um, I didn't know you were a Steelers fan. Here I am, Trash and Ben Roethlisberger. Hey,
0: you and me both. <laughs> All right. This has been an absolute blast of an episode. I'm hyped to see how these turn out in week five. Um, Man, this is going to be a good week of football. I think uh, the season is finally starting to churn out some exciting, productive storylines. We're starting to understand a little bit more about players, taking fewer shots in the dark. And as soon as we know something for sure, like Robert Woods will not be involved in the Rams' offense, you know, he is. <laughs> so I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure this upcoming week will have a lot more goodies for us to dissect in the coming days. But until then, I am Evan Ronda. You can find me on Twitter at bgt evan. I am joined again, like I said, by Joey the Tooth. You can find him on Twitter at joy the tooth idp. I had a blast recording this episode with you, man. Um, oh, always, buddy. Yeah, I will. Right, we'll, we'll see you guys in the next episode. But until then, peace out.